The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, online with our app, Tanner Hoops, with you Thursday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us over your 4 o'clock hour. Jake Durant from Local 3 TV, the CBS affiliate of Marquette, in the studio with us. First time I've seen you since Valentine's Day. Did your holiday go well? It went it went pretty good, man. Just kind of hung out and, and uh, you know, just kind of relaxed and, and just kind of, you know, enjoyed it i guess um yeah I, I have no complaints how did yours go mine was fine i enjoyed it i was in calumet that night i was doing a game Ooh, the, yeah. the trip to calumet that's always fun it was a long trip and the weather was nasty especially trying to come home which reminds me if anyone's out there for basketball tonight like i'm gonna be be safe got a little bit nasty outside last night just trying to make it to nagani from right. here uh it's at Gwyn tonight so it's a fairly short trip although not necessarily excited to brave the elements. I am excited for the game, though. Westwood girls can lock up a conference championship with a win tonight. So wishing all the best to them. And we'll have the coverage here on ESPN-UP, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.15 tip. It always amazes me how much happens in the world of sports since we see each other. We go about a week or so without seeing each other unless we do at like an event or something like that. But who would have thought that everything that's happened the last 24 hours even would have transpired the way it did because we've got a lot to go over just from the last 24 hours alone. Yesterday was one of the most bizarre days for college basketball, one of the most single bizarre days in one sport that I can remember for a long time. We've got some Kyrie Irving audio. We've got the drama that's unfolding with the Steelers. And baseball is finally back. Spring training today. We got actually just through the first pitch a little bit ago between Seattle and Oakland. It's 48 degrees down there in Arizona, but they're playing baseball. Yeah, 48 degrees right now sounds amazing. <laughs> um, it's probably a little chilly for, for those people there in Arizona, probably not used to it. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's an exciting time. You know, we had a lot of stuff going on. Um, every time I think about how busy it is right now, I look back, think back to the summer mm-hmm. and just how slow it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying just all these storylines, you know, everything to talk about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, it was a crazy 24 hours. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. There's a lot to talk about and, um, yes, spring training. Gotta love it. I mean, summer's close, right? Spring. Oh, I know. It doesn't feel like it, but it kind of does with baseball. If you walk outside, it doesn't feel like it, but we've got baseball on the horizon and I can't wait for it. Mm -hmm. But right now we're in the midst of basketball season. The big headlines involve Zion Williamson and Nike. Zion Williamson, the phenom, the face of college basketball and they lose him 36 seconds in to the biggest game of the year, the biggest rivalry in that sport, because he suffers a knee sprain. When he's cutting to the basket, his sneaker literally blows out. His Nike sneaker almost blows up. It literally shredded. Yeah. It was it was really weird. And he's just such a massive force. You think of what kind of force it would have to take to make that happen. And they lose him to a knee sprain. We're not sure yet how serious this could be. It could be a lot more serious than they're letting on here in the early going. But this was maybe the worst thing that could have happened to Nike because the one phenom player that you can't afford to lose in college basketball is suddenly sidelined with a knee sprain. And once he left the game, Duke looked like a whole different team. It's like the Lakers back when they were winning titles with Shaq and Kobe. That's Duke with Zion. Without Zion, they're the Lakers led by Kuzma, KCP, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. And guys like that, they just look lost out there as they get thrashed on their home floor last night by their biggest rivals. This could spell a lot of trouble not only for Nike, 
for college basketball as an organization. Certainly Nike, their stock is down today. They're suffering from this a little bit. If Adidas really wants to launch like an attack ad, they've got perfect material to do it with right now. Didn't Puma send out a, a shady tweet but then deleted it? Yeah, I, I think, think there was, was that was something, that something like that. Or something happened. Puma's um, trying to be relevant. Puma's trying to be relevant. I mean, sometimes, you know, you got to do the smear campaigns. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you talk about Nike, I mean, talk about the worst possible scenario. Um, you know, when your product is the main reason why a star athlete goes down, it's on national television, the game is the biggest hyped up, you know, college basketball game all year, tickets selling at Super Bowl prices, you got stars there wanting to see Zion play, and then your product is the single reason why, you know, this guy goes down, Zion, and it, he wasn't really even doing a whole mm-hmm. lot, you know. As compared to what he has been doing over the season, all the you know um, cutting he's been doing, jumping out the gym and things like that, he really just grabbed the ball and kind of turned. And literally, you know, when you're six eight, two hundred eighty five pounds, and you put just that enough pressure, you know, maybe the stitching was was bad or something. But that I mean, that shoe just shredded, leads to the to the injury. I mean, when you're Nike, you're, you're waking up in a, in the meetings today and and saying, well, how are we going to fix this? Um, and I know there was there was. Something uh, a short while ago when all the NBA jerseys were ripping, yeah. and there was like this big thing, and, and you know, as a as a you know athletic company, you know, these are these are bad, really mm-hmm. bad. So they're gonna have to find a way to fix it. You know, you don't want to lose that partnership with Zion because um, even with this knee sprain, he's gonna go on and be, you know, he was the face of college basketball this season. We'll see if he comes back. And he's going to be the face of, uh, you know, a big name. I don't know if he'll be the face of the NBA right away, but he's going to be one of those big names, a, a guy you talk about when you when you talk about the NBA all the time. So bad for Nike, bad for college basketball, because like I said, he was the the showtime. He was the show. Um, you know, he's bringing the in the viewers, making college basketball, um, you know, the biggest show on in Cameron. Um, I you know, no one's had ever seen a guy like Zion play, so it was very unique. So him going down. Um, it hurts college basketball. Definitely hurts Nike. Um, LeBron even tweeted out, you know, LeBron's a big Nike guy. He didn't say anything about the shoe. He just said, "Oh man, prayers for Zion." He he blew out his shoe. Um, that's as far as he's gonna go. But I mean, it's bad for everything. It, it, it's really it's sad because the game was you know built up so so much, and to see him go down that early, forty seconds in, mm-hmm. and then like you said, the whole Duke team didn't know really know what to do. He would he's their energy guy. You know those 360 windmill dunks, him jumping over the, the 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 rim, him making those crazy blocks. That's what gives that team energy. That they kind of built their persona around Zion, and he gave them that edge. Um, you know he he gave them the energy because they wanted to run guys out of the gym. They wanted teams to just kind of crumble. And with him out, they didn't really know what to do because you know he was pretty much Superman there for a little bit. Um, and the team suffered, and they went up against a really good North Carolina team. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes when when a star player goes down, you can't recover. And they just didn't have they didn't have the mentality, they didn't have the mental edge they they normally do. And and they suffered, and they lost the game. And it's just unfortunate because, man, that would have been a, that would have been something to see last night. Zion Williamson's not only a big energy guy for the Duke players, but for the Cameron Crazies as well. And when he left after the first minute, after fans paid what on average four grand for a ticket it was just dead after that it was lifeless there was no energy maybe the biggest moment that the crowd came alive after that was when they recognized barack obama who was in attendance and other than that there wasn't very much for duke fans to be excited about their team got thrashed and their best player had to exit and we don't know how long it's going to be until we see him again? Yeah, and he went down with a knee injury, so no one really knew. You know, worst case scenario, what, is it an ACL? Like yeah. what just happened? 
And I mean, 40 seconds in, I mean, if you are going to the game and you think about the possible worst-case scenario to happen, mm-hmm. it happened last night for Duke. And, uh, man, it's just unfortunate because any time he was playing, you know, there was going to be multiple highlights and things like that. And, and um, you know, I'm not a Duke hater. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, you either hate Duke or you love Duke. Yep. Um, I'm not a Duke hater. So, you know, it was just sad for me. You know, I, I would... I was rooting for Duke over North Carolina last night, but man, it's just, it's unfortunate. Everyone feels bad for Zion, no matter what side of the Duke argument you're on. They're a polarizing team for sure, but everybody seems to want Zion uh, to recover quickly. They have his best interest in mind. Carlos Boozer, I know he tried to send his condolences to Zion. He ended up tweeting out to Zion National Park instead, but that was kind of the goof. Something like I would do. That's something I would do (laughs) for sure. Well, Then it starts the whole conversation about should college players be paid because Zion Williamson is likely going to be, was, is, I don't know what it is anymore, depending on the status of his knee, the number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft. I don't know if last night's injury affected that or not, but he was going to get paid big time. The cheapest ticket to last night's game was $2,990 because people wanted to see this kid so bad. He's getting no money for it. He can't sell his own autograph, can't make money from his identity, can't sign endorsements. He's not even necessarily endorsing Nike by it. It's the fact that Duke signed this contract with Nike. He had to wear those shoes. He may not have picked to wear Nike if he had the choice, but because of Duke's contract with it, that ends up being the shoe that gives way when he's making a simple basket cut, like he's done a thousand times already. So you get this argument whether college players should be paid or not whether they should have the opportunity to declare for the NBA draft right out of high school, or even if they should go overseas. And honestly, I think this gives a lot of momentum to what LeVar Ball tried to do. If he really wants to spring on that, this would be the time to do it, a league that pays kids instead of going to college. And I'll say this, I'm not an advocate to pay athletes in college because, yeah, I mean, guys like Zion Williamson make so much money for the school that they're never going to see. But what about, like, the guys at the end of the bench, your 13th, 14th, 15th guys down there. I don't know if we're going to pay them, and then it becomes how much we're going to pay them. Is everyone going to receive equal salary, what have you? I do think, though, they should be allowed to make money from their identity, from endorsements, what have you. They sign an autograph, Mm -hmm. absolutely. They want to put them in a video game. I mean, let them. Let them benefit off that. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I do think like a stipend for these players. I think Mm -hmm. for the basketball players itself for the game and for the you know them playing i think each player should be paid a certain stipend um you know yeah they get free college and things like that but you know they're also going they're going to class just like you know any other student but then they have all these extracurriculars like you said making the school so much money so why not pay the players it doesn't have to be a ridiculous amount of money Mm -hmm. you know enough for them to kind of live comfortably i know you know they get the facilities and things like that but um you know you know just something that will help them along their way to make to make it easier um and then i'm right there with you and if it has anything to do with them as an individual their personality you know their their gear and things like that you know if if you're able to sell it and make money off of it then you should be able to do that and collect the money um you know and it Obviously, the person on the the last person on the bench isn't going to be able to sign autographs and, and sell jerseys. I mean, maybe they will. I'm, I play for Duke. Maybe someone will want it. But mm-hmm. um, if it's directly um, you selling yourself, I guess a little bit. You know, like you said, if you want to be in a video game, go for it. You make the money. We don't get that money. I think that's fair. Um, and then, like I said, the school should just you know 
work with the players and, and try to find a set amount of money they, they get maybe each semester um, to kind of help them through the, through the journey. And then whatever the, the players make on their own, that should be them. It's, it's like a business, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's what the NBA players do. You know, it's, it's making a brand, building a brand, and selling it. And that's what, you know, players are working on most of the time. So why not let the college players begin in college, especially when you're talking about these one-and-done guys who shouldn't even be in college, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Um, you know, is it, in my eyes, they're doing the school a favor by coming to their school. Absolutely. Um, you know, because they're making a lot, a lot of money. So why not give the give it back to some of the players? I just don't see what the big deal is and why that is an issue. I'm glad you brought that up of if they should be in college or not. A lot of these players like Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett, you know they're going to go to the NBA after one year. And I'm not going to advocate for anybody to pass up a college degree in education, what have you. But let's be honest. These guys are going there for one year. They're not going to stay and finish their degree. They're just doing it because they're required to, to be eligible for the NBA draft. I'm a big believer that if you have a chance to get a good college education, get a degree, it can open so many doors for you, especially if athletics don't work out. But we all know that players like this in Kentucky, Kansas, Duke are famous for doing this, these one-and-done players. And it really doesn't matter if you're putting them on scholarship. I mean, it's not doing anything for them in the long run. They're just out there risking their bodies and risking the money that they could be making in the future. Here's the interesting part, is that Duke actually does have an insurance policy on Zion Williamson in case something like this were to happen. And it's worth $8 million in loss of value. However, it's essentially meaningless because Zion only sees that $8 million if he slips below the 16th overall pick in the draft, which just isn't going to happen. Oh, no. I mean, even if he's a little little injured, you know, and, and maybe he doesn't come back the rest of the season, who knows? He's still a lottery pick. I mean, there's going to be a team that's going to, you know, draft him just based on what they, they've already seen on tape. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds nice, but let's be honest. What are the chances he falls past 16? Very, very little. Um, but it's always nice to have it, you know. I mean, that's good for Zion. It's a smart move by these big-time players to always have that policy in place because you never know. Basketball is a sport. You can get a lot of injuries. Like Achilles injury could really set you back. Um, and these type of knee injuries that, you know, you see happening. I mean, it was a smart move um, to have for Zion, and um, I just, I just hope he, he, he. I want to see him come back. You know, March Madness would have been really, really awesome with mm-hmm. him in it. Um, so hopefully, he can bounce back. He is a machine. You know, he's kind of like LeBron. Yeah, he's down, but I, I feel like he's a machine. So maybe he'll bounce back quick from it. We'll see. Last thing before we go to break, if there's going to be anything that could change the NCAA's policy regarding paying athletes or requiring athletes to at least spend one year in college to be eligible for the NBA draft. This would be it. This was the guy that could force the NCAA to make a move. But let me ask you this. Would it be crazy of Cam Reddish or R.J. Barrett to see what happened to Zion and say, we're done. We already have our NBA stock up. We're sitting out not risking it. I I mean, I wouldn't blame either of those two. I mean, if you are confident in where you stand in the draft which those guys obviously are you know two of the top five players in in college basketball and and surefire first round picks i mean you really got to sit back and think hey and i mean for them i mean for like a cam reddish him getting injured might affect him a little bit Mm. more because he's not as proven as as a zion because zion i mean not only is he a great player but you know you can market the heck out of Zion Williamson. Absolutely. You know, a team, you know, he, he's going to be the face of your team, face of your franchise. He's going to sell tickets. Um, will a Cam Reddish do that to an extent as a Zion? I don't think so. So if you're maybe a Cam Reddish, maybe you're just like, you know what, I'm going to hang it up, especially if Zion doesn't come back. 
Um, you know, so they have a little power, a little, you know, themselves. So um, you might see that happen a little bit more if you're, you know, especially if you're an unknown guy who's maybe a first-round pick. Maybe it's just like, you know what, I did what I have to do. I got myself on, I got tape. I showed I can play. Now I'm done. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant in the studio with you. We owe you our first time out when we come back. Yesterday was one of the most bizarre days in all of college basketball. Zion aside, we'll tell you why next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yesterday was one of the most bizarre days in all of college basketball, not just because of what happened with Zion Williamson. It was revealed last night that Syracuse men's basketball coach Jim Beheim struck and killed a pedestrian while driving. He was on his way home after Syracuse win over number 18 Louisville at the Carrier Dome. He was approaching an accident. There was four people that were involved uh, in this one car accident. One of them got out of the car and started walking up the highway. And when Bayheim was passing the accident scene, he didn't see the pedestrian walking. He struck and killed 51-year-old Jorge Jimenez, who was pronounced dead at the hospital. Just awful news out of New York that you hate to hear about. And, you know, I know Jim Bayheim's not the victim in this, and he did the right thing. He cooperated with police there was no alcohol no drugs involved but i feel for him as well you know with the situation that's going i feel for everybody involved up there just horrible news out of syracuse right as as from what i understand the weather wasn't great um you know and and like you said there was no nothing that really it was an accident i mean clear-cut accident um just terrible terrible news um you got to feel for the family of of the man who who passed away, obviously Jim Beheim probably not feeling great about you know the the incident as well. But like you said, I mean there was no alcohol involved, um, clear cut accident. Didn't see late at night, um, and it's just unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate that someone had to lose their lose their life, um, and and it's very it's you know you hear about that happening when someone breaks down on the highway, a busy highway. You know you got to be very careful because it's it's hard to see sometimes and. Um, Man, it's just it's un- it's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate for everyone involved, and and you just hope that uh, you know the families can can you know uh, grieve a little bit and, and and bounce back from this. And and for Jim Beheim, you know the same thing. Beheim, a future Hall of Famer, seventy four years old. He released a statement earlier today. He said that for respect to the family, he's not going to expand on any more details. He's expressing his condolences to them. I know he feels terrible about it, and it's very far in the back of his mind right now, but he's got to be preparing for Duke coming up on Saturday, a team that they did beat earlier this season. But I know that's got to be way in the back of his mind right now, and I just feel for everybody involved up there. And it's just one of those strange stories I couldn't believe when it was finally revealed this morning that this had happened. Yeah, I mean, anytime you you know an accident happens like that, um, it's just very sad, and, and um, like you said, out of respect of the family, I mean, it was an accident, it happened, um, and, and, and um, now it's time to just grieve about it. But like you said, I mean, as much as, as, as you want to have it, think about it, and it's going to bother you, you got to be ready for Duke, because without Zion now, and, and for Duke, it's a big game, it's a big game for everyone involved, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a bad, bad situation. Well, let's go to something that's a little bit more peculiar. I don't know if it's funny it could be funny to some people but sec basketball 
it's a football conference, becoming a little more of a baseball conference too, but basketball's got its entertainment to go with it. And last night's Georgia-Mississippi State ending was one of the most bizarre that I think I've ever seen. Mississippi State was trying to get a last-second shot off. They got fouled. They go to the free-throw line and tie the game. A Georgia fan received a technical foul for throwing a stuffed bulldog on the floor with half a second left in the game. And because of that technical foul, Mississippi State got to go back to the free throw line in a tie game with half a second to go. All he needed was one. He split the two free throws, made the first, missed the second. Georgia didn't even have time to get a shot off for a heave-ho from the full length of the court. And the game ends because of a stuffed animal thrown on the floor with less than a second to play. I mean, if you're that fan, I don't know what, what you're thinking. Um, very unfortunate that the game was decided, you know, because of, of a fan tossing something. It wasn't decided between the two teams. That would have likely went into overtime, and who knows what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think the referees kind of jumped to a conclusion and gave the tech really quickly. Mm-hmm. If I'm a referee, the game's tied. There's .5 seconds left. That comes out on the court. And it's very hard for me to make that call. I would have gave a warning. Could have gave a warning and let the teams play out, play the game. It probably would have went into overtime and then, you know, made the best team win. Um, It's just, I don't know. I felt like there should have been some sort of warning. I think that would have been that would have been the right thing to do. Then, if a fan then threw something, then you give the tech. I just can't. It's just such a big play. It's such a you know obviously a big call. It affected the game directly, and it's a fan. It's not the two teams playing. Right. You know they played hard throughout the whole game, um, and and they had nothing. They couldn't do anything about it. I mean, if you're a Georgia fan or if you're a Georgia player, I should say, you know what do you do? You know mm-hmm. how do you feel after a loss like that? You know you just played your hearts out. You had the game tied. You know, and and for that to happen, that somebody else, you know, not playing on the court decides the game. I mean, man, I would just be, I would be upset. I'd be very upset. And like I said, I think the ref should have gave a warning, let the teams play it out. And um, you know, if if they gave a warning and then somebody did something, obviously kick the person out of the arena. Yeah. And then if something else happened, then you give the tech. But I mean, for something like that to just directly affect the game, you just can't do that. You just can't. I mean, if it's a player who does something, it's one thing. But if a fan is throwing an object, a stuffed bulldog, pretty ironic, onto the floor, that's a whole different thing. And the crowd was rowdy. They were into it. It's a conference game, and it's tied down the stretch. It actually uh, ended up playing out that Tom Crean, the Georgia coach, had to take the microphone from the PA and ask the crowd to settle down, but the technical foul was enforced anyway. So I'm with you. I hate this, that the officials were what decided a great basketball game, that the officials had to step in, and I I wouldn't say it's an abuse of power, but maybe an overreach, so to speak. I definitely, Definitely an overreaction. If I'm a Georgia fan of the team, I would be super upset. Um, like you said, it's a conference game. You know, it's died. You're on the road. You know, let's go. And and super unfortunate. If you're a fan, just stay out of it. Don't throw stuff on the floor. You're hurting the team. You know, you're probably going to be shunned by Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, from now probably on, probably a lifetime ban. That's what I mean. Like you're like, what are you thinking? Don't do it. Just super unfortunate. I feel for the Georgia Bulldogs. I just don't know what possesses him to want to throw thinking, a stuff I'm thinking. Do they? The do they? 
the guy had to be intoxicated. That, the guy, I'm, woman, I'm wondering if you know, he, just there one has, of those schools. There has to be a reason why he does. You know, somebody should have stopped him. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting next to him, if my buddy was thinking about tossing something onto the court with point five seconds left and over, over, you know, and, and then the game and the game is tied, I would be like, no, you're not going to do that. Like, what are you doing? Bulldog too. Yeah, and and and, and it's a stuffed bulldog. Yeah. So you're, you're basically <laughs> leaving evidence right on the floor. I mean, you could be pretty smart if you're a Mississippi State fan. Yeah. You could bring a bulldog. Act like you're, you know, you could act like you're a Georgia fan. Well, that's the thing. It must have been wearing a Georgia sweatshirt or something because they're both the Bulldogs. They're both the Bulldogs. That's that, the weird that's thing. That's the thing. But if, what if you're a Mississippi State fan, just threw on a Georgia hoodie, mm-hmm. grab the Bulldog, toss it on the floor? I mean, you never know. You never know. Someone yeah. could be, you know, someone could be that, that mean. Who knows? That, that could be something, maybe. I'm a little surprised that they chose to throw a stuffed animal. And I don't know if they brought it from home or I can't imagine you bring a stuffed animal from home with the plans that you're going to chuck it onto the court. But if you bought it at the stadium, I'm sure that wasn't cheap. So I don't know if you spent eight fifty on a stuffed animal just to throw it onto the floor to voice your displeasure at the game being tied with under a second to go, only to basically lose it for your team. That's what I mean. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And if you had like a, a master plan to do this all along, I mean, mm-hmm. what a bad time time to do it i mean it just doesn't make any sense why one would want to go to the game and think they're funny maybe Mm -hmm. maybe it was a college kid who was thinking he was being funny or something but um something the fans should have done and i don't think the referees handle it it's just an unfortunate situation well basketball in the sec may not have the most competitive group although they've got two in the top 10 with kentucky and tennessee But they're certainly entertaining. They're more than just a football conference. And again, they're starting to pick it up in baseball a little bit. But basketball down there, they have their moments where they can be fairly entertaining, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, SEC, I mean, a bunch of athletes down there. You know, the basketball teams, yeah, they don't, um, they're not ranked or anything. But all of the teams are competitive. You know, like I said, man, they have athletes. They got guys that can play. And when you talk about rivalries and, and conference games and things like that, and it doesn't matter what league you're in. Um, you know what conference you're in. They're going to be they're going to be competitive, and you want the bragging rights. And um, just for it to be decided like that is just it's terrible. Jake Durant's in the studio with us. We hit the halfway point in the show. We owe you our next time out. When we come back, I've got some Kyrie Irving audio. I want you to listen to. Is he leading the Celtics the right way? Next in the sports pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Here's your Sports Center update. The Minnesota Wild have traded Charlie Coyle to the Boston Bruins for Ryan Donato and a fifth-round pick in this summer's draft. The IOC is proposing adding the following sports in time for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Climbing, surfing, skateboarding, and breakdancing. We could realistically see breakdancing in five years at the Olympics in Paris. That'd be interesting. I'd kind of like to see it. I'm okay okay with it. I'd be okay with it. And finally, Netflix has announced that they have obtained the life rights and will be producing a new biopic on Hulk Hogan. And it's got a high-profile crew. The director and the writer are the same guys who did The Hangover, and they're producing the upcoming Joker film. And they got Chris Hemsworth to portray Hulk Hogan. So that sounds interesting. Could be a pretty good film if you're into stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean Hulk Hogan. You know, he was a pioneer in wrestling, and mm-hmm. you know he went through a lot of stuff. I mean, we we were all there to, to witness. You know, 
he's not a perfect person, so I think it'd be mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting story. And and you know, with that crew, I, I know they're going to do a great job. Chris Hemsworth is Hulk Hogan too. I kind of like that. I could see it. I could see it too. I, could I couldn't it. before before I read that article, but now I can totally see it. Yeah, you put the long hair on him, blonde locks, and mm-hmm. I think he he can he can pull it off. The NBA is back tonight. The Celtics are sitting fourth place in the Eastern Conference right now, one game out of third. And it's been largely a disappointing season for them with the expectations that were put on them. Marcus Morris has come out and said, we're not having fun like we used to. And I think a lot of that is because they were expected to run away with the East this year, and they just haven't performed to the expectations put on them. They're still right there if they want to make a run here late, and they have a big one tonight as they visit the Bucks. So people are wondering how Kyrie Irving is leading the team. And he was blasting the media yesterday because they were dissecting the video of him talking to Kevin Durant, holding up two fingers and thinking that means two max open roster spots in New York. And he he didn't like that. He took exception to that, which I don't have a problem with. Maybe I'm a little biased being a Celtics guy. But people have been wondering about how he's leading this team, how he's being really a leader for the first time after playing under LeBron for so long in Cleveland. So there was a sit-down interview he had with Rachel Nichols a few days ago, and I want to play about a minute of that from you because I have some thoughts on this, and Will Kane does too. He talked about it on a show yesterday. I want to hear what Jake thinks about this. Your teammate Marcus Morris did say that it hasn't been fun. It hasn't been fun even when we've been winning a lot. Have you felt that? It's been a trying year for us, you know, because we basically have a bunch of young men in our locker room that feel like they're capable of doing a lot more than what they're doing. And that's okay. But there's a maturity that you have to have. There's a professionalism that you have to really showcase every single day. And that's what the great ones do. You know, I, I effort initially didn't play the minutes I wanted to play. I'm 26 years old, heading into my prime. Like, why do I have to wait for anybody? You know, Terry Rozier is a... You know, he played in the playoffs. He did extremely well coming back. That's a natural competition that me and him have. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, no one wants to say it, but I will. It's part of their growth. When you have winning in mind, then, you know, you just, you got to understand that. You got to do what it takes, but you got to understand your teammates. So Kyrie Irving in this sit-down interview with Rachel Nichols talks about how he's trying to lead this team and what he sees out of some of the younger players because he's not that old, Kyrie, but he's the veteran for this squad. He's old compared to what he has uh, to work with on the Celtics, largely an inexperienced group. On his show yesterday, Will Kane didn't like that Kyrie Irving made those comments to Rachel Nichols. And I like Will Kane a lot. I agree with him quite a bit. I see a lot of myself in him, but I think he's dead wrong on his take that he had yesterday, saying that Kyrie sounded condescending in this interview, that this is something he needs to say directly to the team. This is not something you say to ESPN. This is something you say behind closed doors. And if you really want to develop these guys, that's going to be the best way to do it because they're not going to respond to seeing this in the media, to hearing this interview with Rachel Nichols, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown. They're not going to react well hearing it from somebody else. What I feel, though, is that he's relating to these guys. He's remembering what it was like to be in their shoes, guys that were fighting for playing time. Terry Rozier had a heck of an NBA playoff series last year, take out maybe Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, and he was amazing when Kyrie was out hurt. Now that Kyrie's back, Rozier's not getting the minutes that he probably deserves, that he's probably good enough to have. And I don't think that Kyrie's calling them out or being condescending. I think he's just 
realizing that he was in this situation once before and that he understands, he can relate to these guys, and it's just a growing process. That's something as you get older, you've got to go through and that you decide to learn. And you know, maybe that dates back to reconciling with LeBron a few weeks ago when they had that phone call. Now, as far as saying it to Rachel Nichols instead of to the guys directly, we don't know what's been said in the locker room. Maybe this is something he has brought up in the locker room and uh, has talked to Tatum, Rozier, Brown and company directly about. We don't know what's been said behind the locker room, but I didn't have a problem with Kyrie saying this as a Celtics fan. What about you? Um, I feel like the, the interview itself and just that little clip we heard um, – you know, I, I agree with him saying, you know, guys have to, you know, find their roles and, and kind of, you know, take a little back seat. You know, I, I do agree that um, the dynamic with Kyrie returning and Gordon Hayward returning, I know J- Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, you know, their minutes are cut now. They're not doing as much to, to help this team. Like I said last week, um, the di- that dynamic change when you have Kyrie Irving coming in and is a, is a ball-dominant point guard because you're not as free. You know, the wings aren't being um, used as much, and, and they don't need to score as much. Um, the problem I had with that interview was he said, I'm 26, you know, why do I have to wait for anybody? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's just like, wait, what? Wait, chill for a minute, you know. Um, you went from, you know, kind of supporting your teammates, just saying, hey, we need to grow as a team, then all of a sudden, like, why am I waiting? Um, maybe I can have a little issue with that part. Um I kind of agree with Will Kane. You know, he doesn't have to continue doing these interviews and mm-hmm. continue. Um, you know, you say it once. I feel like that should be enough, and then you go out and and anything else you need to say, um, say behind closed doors. I do agree. Uh, you don't know if he's he's already tried this and it hasn't worked, so now he's going to the media in things. But I know this isn't the first time he's been saying this in the media. He's been saying it all season, pretty much. Um, you know, so how many times are you going to go out and say this in the media, calling? almost calling out your teammates not really calling out your teammates but sort of calling out your teammates to you know to to switch it up a little bit um it's hard for him trying to put myself in a position of like a jalen brown of a jason tatum to how i would feel if you know my teammate was in the media saying this i don't think i'd have have an issue with it i think i'd agree like you said there was expectations that have not been met um even though they're right there so you know the as as a teammate you know he's not wrong Mm-hmm. He's not wrong, so I, I don't think I'd have an issue. It's just if he continues beating the dead horse, then I, I would start getting a little annoyed. Um, for him, it's just getting out and playing. I think that's what you need to do. You know, you said at the All-Star Week, making noise, talking to, to KD and things like that. You know, he's in, he's he's out there. He's putting himself out there. Um, and then all these questions uh, back and forth, are you going to be back? And, and that's an own issue in itself. So that kind of takes away from the ultimate goal of this season. So... I mean, is he hurting the team more than he's helping the team doing this? Um, I don't know. I think maybe he is. You know, maybe, you know, once he gets back, I think maybe he should turn into, the, you know, LeBron, Dark Zero 30 mode mm-hmm. and just get to work and, and you know, try to try to rally this thing together. Because they're right there. They're, it's not like it's a sinking ship. Right. You know, they're just not arriving at the destination they want it fast enough. That's basically what's going on. Um, and you knew it wasn't going to be smooth coming into the season. People thought Gordon Hayward and Kyrie were going to come back and, and boom top team in the east no one's going to touch them etc cetera, etc cetera. but i mean it's chemistry game the basketball is a game of rhythm um you know guys have to switch up their roles you know there's going to be speed bumps and that's kind of what we're seeing but um i do expect them in in the playoffs to once the playoffs arrive to focus figure things out and do what it needs to be done if it's jalen brown not playing as many minutes and not having as big of a role but still coming in and being productive then that's fine if it's jason tatum not relying on him as much that's fine now, if it's Gordon Hayward coming in and dropping 20-something, that, that's what they're going to have to do. they got to find a way to make it work. And um, 
overall, I would say if I was Kyrie, after this interview, I would just shut it down, start focusing on because at some point it's just it's just if if I was his teammate, I'd be like, all right, we get it, we got to figure this out. Let's talk about it as a team behind closed doors and then you know move forward from it. Um, but you know it's it's crazy because when you bring in so many, you have so much depth and things like that, and guys who feel like they can play, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's what you get when you have such a talented roster, you know, guys are going to be competing within the team, you know, you just hope it doesn't, doesn't spill out to the actual game. And maybe that's what's happening a little bit, um, with all the competitive guys I have on the team. I'm not sure. Before we go to break, cause we're coming up against one. There's one more thing I want to touch on in the NBA and they've got a little bit of a ratings problem right now. Ratings are down in the NBA. It's unrelated to the point I'm going to make, but the All-Star game tied for the lowest rated All-Star game on its uh, television networks and what have you. But the NBA's ratings have been going down this year. And I don't know if that's necessarily correlated to the Warriors being the dominant franchise, being the dynasty. I'm not saying that that's what it is. But a few years ago, they stopped doing East versus West in the All-Star game because the West was so much more competitive than the Eastern Conference. You had LeBron over there in the East, and that somewhat balanced out the ratings. He had LeBron playing home games, playing a lot of games in prime time. Now he's out there on the West Coast where it may be 10 o'clock here, and people are going to bed, and they're just tipping off in Los Angeles. You've got Steph Curry and the Warriors out there in the Bay Area. They're in the same situation. You're getting a lot of the superstars, the guys that draw attention, that draw ratings, playing on the West Coast. And maybe it's a little bit of a dip in the ratings. Maybe it's not all that significant. But does it have anything to do with the influx of talent and players playing on the West Coast? They're playing in late games because mm-hmm. I know even when LeBron did play in Cleveland and they had those big market games, You'd stay up and watch it if it's you know something important, but if it's a regular season game like we're in the stretch of right now, you're not going to stay up to watch LeBron play out on the West Coast. You'll just watch him when he's at home in Cleveland. You don't have that anymore. I think it, it directly affects uh, the ratings, I would, I would think. Having those guys, like you said, play on the West Coast, it's late when the games tip off. Sometimes it's 10, 10, 30. Um, you're not going to stay up if you have to get up early you know, till 1, 2 in the morning to watch these games. Um, you know, like you said, when LeBron was in Cleveland, they could throw LeBron on TV at eight o'clock, and and those ratings would be sky high. And then, you know, most of the time, people are going to watch through that game, and then you know they'll they'll stay for maybe part of the the second game. But you know, I'm not staying up, you know, super late if if I have to work in the morning to watch these games go on at ten. Especially 10 not this Laker team. Especially not this Laker. Yeah, it's and the product isn't that great. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul George is over on the West Coast now. Um, the best team in the East is Milwaukee Bucks, and you know not a lot of people want to mm-hmm. watch the Milwaukee Bucks play. If you're not a diehard NBA fan, it's not you're not going to get those casual NBA fans tuning into a Milwaukee Bucks game right now. At least I don't I don't think. Um, Bucks don't get a lot of love as you know, a small market. They right. make the finals. The finals be on NBA TV. Right. I mean, Antetokounmpo, he's a draw. He's yeah. a draw. You know, if if you're a basketball fan, you want to see Antetokounmpo play, but. Um, you know, LeBron's able to get those just casual NBA fans that don't really follow basketball, maybe not even know how the, the game works, mm-hmm. to tune in and just watch him because it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it directly correlates the you know the ratings dip directly correlates with with a lot of the guys playing on the West Coast because you know even when I was out in LA for you know several weeks, it was really odd to me watching a game super early. You mm-hmm. know, there was it was like four in the afternoon in LA. You know, people are still working. 
um, 4.30 in the afternoon in L.A. You know, no one's in on the West Coast is watching that 7.30 game because they're driving home in traffic. You know, they're, they, they're just getting off of work. Like, you're not getting that. And then it flips when you talk about the late game at, in the West Coast. People are going to bed in the East Coast. So there's like a there's, there's a weird dynamic there. And I do think it, having all the stars on the West Coast is, is definitely – uh, something because I want to watch Luca play. He's yeah. in Dallas, you know. Yeah, I think that's Central Time Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they can throw him on in the early game. But all the big names. My favorite player in the NBA right now is Paul George playing in Oklahoma City. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it directly correlates with with the stars being on the West Coast. Could you imagine if Zion Williamson picked a school out west because they market the Pac-12, Pac-12 after dark, especially during football season. Those games will be on. They'll be kicking off at, like, 11 in the East Coast here. But could you imagine if basketball happened that way? I mean, the Pac-12 is boring enough as a basketball conference. Could you imagine if Zion Williamson played out somewhere out on the West Coast? Think how much ESPN would lose in ratings compared to what they're getting now. Oh, yeah, it would be be way worse if he was, like, playing in Oregon or something. Who Mm -hmm. knows? Um that's why you know college basketball is in a good place with that those teams down you know in Carolina, yep. you know those big schools they're on the East Coast so that works perfectly for them. Michigan's a big Michigan and Michigan State East mm-hmm. Coast. You know college basketball is lucky to have what they have right now with Zion and, and company. That's why you want to see the NBA is going to push Zion to go to New York. You know what's going to mm-hmm. happen. They want Zion in New York, no doubt about it. They want Zion in New York. They want a star to go to New York. That's what they're pushing because they they need that balance in both conferences. They need to be able to to showcase teams equally when you talk about for ratings wise. We're getting on to a good conspiracy. The NBA is going to rig the draft lottery. Listen, you so heard that it. New York gets number one. No, you heard it here first. Zion Williamson is going to the New York Knicks. I don't care what happens. He's gone. Jake Duran is in the studio with us. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, since no radio station is talking about Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown enough. We'll break down a little bit of the Pittsburgh Steelers drama, plus a movie you can't miss getting set to start this summer. Other than Hulk Hogan, that's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Thanks for hanging out with us as we wind you down to the 5 o'clock hour. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Girls Basketball this evening. We're at Gwynn for a 7-15 tip. Pre-game gets going around 7. A win for the Patriot Girls mean they lock up the Mid-Pen Conference title for the first time since 2013. Going to a little bit of football. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown dominating the NFL headlines. The Steeler drama continues to unfold well, first of all, there's the drama surrounding Ben Roethlisberger that nobody really wants to talk about. Everyone seems to give him a free pass. Maybe it's just because he's the quarterback. But this is a team that, other than the Patriots, have been the model of consistency in the NFL. And yet, you have Le'Veon Bell yesterday when the Steelers announced they weren't going to put any tag on him, making an unrestricted free agent, tweets out, praise the almighty God, I'm finally out of here. And I'm like... Did you have it so bad over there? I mean, was it really that bad? But now he's an unrestricted free agent. And Andrew Luck, the Colts are going to be getting on his phone here in a few weeks. And likely, they'll be trying to work out a trade for Antonio Brown. You heard it here first, that Antonio Brown and Le'Veon will be Andrew Luck's teammates in about a month from now. you saying both of them going to go to mm-hmm. in- Indy? Ooh. Both of them. Ooh. They're making okay. a splash. They're going to make a splash. I mean, if, if, they, if Indy was to get both of those guys, I mean, shoot. 
who's going to who's going to compete? I, I mean, think Indy's going all in. I don't think they're building for the future. I think they're going to go all in for a Super Bowl this year. I don't see why. I mean, they had a really good season, you know, a surprise season to some. Um, Andrew Luck's looking like he's coming back to form. That run game with Mac, I mean, it's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, add Le'Veon. Now you have a nice one-two punch. And Le'Veon, people forget what good type of receiver this guy is. Yeah. You know, he, he was the top leading back um, when you talk about receptions and reception yardage and, and stuff like that when he was playing. A lot of people forget about that. It's been a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just going to add another dynamic. And then if you match up with Antonio Brown and T.Y. Hilton, yes. I mean, and then they've been working on that old lines. Plus that that offense is in Jack Doyle. I mean, wow. And that defense, man, they, they nailed the draft last year. Yeah, they did. Um, with, with Leonard on the defense, you're talking about a superstar uh, linebacker. And then obviously when you talk about the guard they got, was it uh, Quentin Nelson? Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. They nailed that too. So, I mean, they're looking pretty pretty. pretty. I mean, I like that. I actually yeah. do like that. But I want to see Green Bay pick up Antonio Brown. I'm just going to throw that out there. Brian Gutekunst needs to be getting on the phone and start making a deal before the Colts do because I feel more confident Le'Veon going to Indianapolis than I do with Antonio Brown, but I think there's a good chance both of them could end up going there. But Gutekunst needs to make this happen, needs to find a way to get Antonio Brown to get to Green Bay. I, I do agree, and a lot of people might call me crazy. Yeah, maybe they should work on their defense, but um, the window's not – opening for Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and you keep saying you know we need to win now win now win now you know they have two first round draft picks that's something that's not going to really happen you know it's, it's very unique that you can make a deal and have so it's like set up perfectly for them and a lot of people are like why would you waste a first rounder on Antonio Brown Antonio Brown is arguably still the best receiver in the league mm-hmm. you still will have him for several years probably as many years as you're going to have Aaron Rodgers in his Absolutely. prime so that lines up perfectly you match him with Devonta Adams that's great um, and, and yeah, you, you use that late first round because I'm looking at these mock drafts, and a lot of these mock drafts have them picking a receiver in the, in the first place. Mm-hmm. So why not get rid of that, get a guy in that can, that can uh, really bolster that offense. You know, you talk about Indy taking the next step. If you pair Aaron Rodgers with Antonio Brown with Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison's a nice number three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that one-two punch with, with uh, Jones and, and Williams in the backfield. I mean that's an that's a really good offense. I mean that's going to be hard to stop. You got to keep up with New Orleans, got to keep up with LA, and that's called and that's scoring. It's an offensive league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're hurting on defense. They need to fix that back secondary. But I'd say you just go all in on the rest of the draft. Just get defense. Maybe bring in some some vets to fill in some holes. And I know I know it sounds crazy, and it's what they've been doing. But you make sure that offensive set. If you bring Antonio Brown to Green Bay, whew. I mean, if you put Antonio Brown on any team, you could say that. But, I mean, him with Aaron Rodgers would be insane. And, and I mean, it's, it's, just, it's rare to have two first-round picks. You know, Gutekunst needs to make a splash, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bring some excitement back. It's kind of been like, you know, the last several years in Green Bay, it's kind of just been like, blah. Um, and I, I feel like it would just be a game-changer, you know. Nobody wants to come to Green Bay. People are like, oh, sign some defensive players. If you're a free agent, nobody wants to come to Green Bay. You know, I'm sure they go out and try to sign these guys. But, you know, you you talk about maybe going to Green Bay or San Francisco. Yeah. It's nice and warm in San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that easy. You mm-hmm. know, Green Bay, once in a while they can make a good a good splash, but you're going to have to get these stars through trades or through the draft, and that doesn't always happen. If you have a shot, you got to go all in. I, I feel like this is something. Uh, take a swing. If you want to lose a game, take the swing. Don't just, you know, strike out and not swing you got to play to your strengths because you've got a really smart offensive head coach this year in Matt LaFleur, and you got to play to the strengths and build him up on that end. I will say this. If they don't get Antonio Brown, they're not able to get a big-name offensive guy, I think their biggest free agent pickup in this offseason will be on defense because I think the Packers probably are the favorites to land Earl Thomas right now. 
Earl Thomas. I like that Earl Thomas pick. Landon Collins doesn't seem oh, to be yeah. happy in, in New York. They do. That, I mean, that's they really need a safety. Yep. They need he's to bring a pro someone bowler. In. He's a pro bowler. Either one of those guys would be a huge upgrade. I mean, Tremont Williams, he's older, still a smart player, but he's not, not what you want. You worked on that that secondary. I think if Wilkerson comes back, he was playing pretty good those first couple games. Mm-hmm. You know, if he comes back, you use that you know tw- number twelve pick, uh, trying to get maybe a, an edge rusher to bolster that. I mean, if you're talking about Wilkerson, maybe a new guy coming in, whether it be who you know Brian Burns from Florida State, um, Sweat from Mississippi State. Um, you know Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU. You know you grab one of those blue chip guys. And then you have Wilkerson on the line. You have Mike Daniels coming back healthy um, in company. Um, Dean Lowry was a guy. Um, uh, Kenny uh, Clark is another guy. I mean, that's a pretty good defensive yeah. line um, you're talking about. So, yeah, man, um, I do agree. They need to maybe, if you sign one of those guys, maybe you can't get Brown, but they need to do something. They need to bring somebody in. Um, but like I said, it's hard to get free agent to come to Green Bay. I tell you what, we could spend all day talking about the NFL even though it's American Alliance football season, not NFL football season. New league year is technically going to start here in about three weeks. But I want to get to focusing on Hollywood for the last few minutes of the show because we have one of the biggest blockbusters, not really, but for our generation it is, that's set to start this summer. Yesterday, LeBron James did confirm that Space Jam 2 will begin filming this summer. And that's going to be one of those movies, Jake, that is going to draw a crowd of 20 to 30-year-olds more than it is kids. It's going to be an animated movie, a kid's movie, you know, Looney Tunes and what have you, but it's going to be people our age who are going to go see that because that came out when we were kids, and that's a big part of our childhood. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pressure, man. You're going to have a lot of critics. There's going to be a lot lot of intense uh, critiques of the movie just Mm -hmm. because Space Jam was such an iconic movie with LeBron. Or not with LeBron, with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do feel like LeBron can pull it off. Well, Michael Jordan wasn't even an actor when he did that. LeBron's actually acted that, and stuff, and he's done really well. He's done pretty good. He's been in a couple comedies. I mean, you know, I have nothing wrong with LeBron, and he's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, with how competitive he is. Um, you know, Michael Jordan did his thing in it. I do think it's gonna it's gonna be hard, man. It's hard. Sequels are hard to do, yep. especially when you talk about like iconic movies, um, like that. But I'm interested to see how LeBron does. I think LeBron will be able to pull it off. I do think LeBron will be able to put off. It's going to be the storyline, how that's going to work. Um, is it going to be a similar storyline? Right. Like, how is this going to work? Is will it going the to be monsters be back? Will the monster the monsters better be back? Yeah. Here we go. The <laughs> monsters aren't back. I mean, I'm already not for it. So, um, it's going to be fun to watch, man. I loved Space Jam, obviously. Growing up a sports fan and playing sports, it was it was a great movie. And, uh, yeah, interesting to see what it's going to turn out to be. I just watched it because I saw it got added to Hulu recently, so I thought you know why not we're in basketball season let's take a night and watch space jam and immerse myself back 23 years ago so they're ready to pick up the sequel 23 years after the original if the monsters are a part of the storyline who are the five players that they're going to steal their talent from in the modern day nba who's going to act in this along with lebron the first name that sticks out to me, I think you need to get Joel Embiid in there yeah. um, as one of the big guys, um, just because of his personality. He'll be the tall you, blue you, one. Yeah, you look. You know, you look at the personalities. You got to look at the personalities. You know, the fun guys mm-hmm. that are in the interview. Um, another guy, I feel like, obviously, the NBA is a, is way more expansive. Um, definitely hitting in the Europe and things like that. You need to get a European player. Mm-hmm. Why not get Luca in? You okay. know, superstar. You know, in the making. Get Luca in. Um, you know, have a little European flair to it. 
Um, so I think he would work. You know, I always just go to the stars. I think Antetokounmpo would be a good guy. Yeah. He's a pretty funny guy if you follow him on social media. You need to get these guys with the personalities. Luka Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. Um, How about Russ? Russ? Russell Westbrook or Paul George or somebody like that mm-hmm. um, would be cool. You might see Kyle Kuzma. I wouldn't be surprised to, to have no it. No one do, wants Kyle Kuzma's talent. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron wants Kyle <laughs> Kuzma. He might bring Kuz in there. You probably will see Dwayne Wade. I, I would have a feeling. I feel like Dwayne Wade. Wade's going to be like what Larry Bird was. To You know, he's Larry Bird was retired by the point uh, where they started filming the first Space Jam, and he was out there golfing with Michael Jordan, so the Monstars didn't steal his talent. I feel like that's going to be what Dwayne Wade is. Right, or bring in Shaq, man. you got to make it hey, fun. Hey, there you, you go. Gotta, you have a Shaq sighting, man. I think it'd be fun to see some guys like that. Who's going to be the big orange one? You know, he wasn't tall, but he was thick. Who would be the modern-day NBA equivalent of that? Like, Shaq in his prime would have been perfect for him. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is a little different. You don't see a lot of these bigger no, you don't. bigger guys. I'm trying to think here. Yeah, I'm racking my brain trying to think who would fit that mold. Because you, you want him to be a star. You could say, like, an Al Horford could go in and, mm-hmm. and be a bigger guy. Okay. But, I mean, he's not really, like, a star. No. Um, Man, I don't know, man. That would be tough. I, I do be a feel tough... like Kyrie Irving's going to make an appearance in it. He's because... got to. Uncle Drew. I, I mean, mean, yeah, he's an actor. Well, you gotta, and he's, you like, gotta... best friends with LeBron. Right. You, you know, you got to really think about who LeBron would want to see. Right. Know? Kyrie has acting experience, acting chops, mm-hmm. wants to be in it. I could definitely see Kyrie in there. Oh, man, nobody from Detroit. I could, maybe Blake Griffin. <laughs> maybe Blake Griffin. Who knows? You think um, we'll get a Kobe sighting in the movie at Kobe all? Kobe sighting? Like a cameo? Listen, man, if, this is a legendary movie. They yeah. can't mess this up. No. You know, honestly, if LeBron fails at this, this might be his biggest failure. Absolutely. You know, you, you, this is almost an untouchable thing. Mm-hmm. And the only person who can do it is LeBron. Mm-hmm. Or else this would not even be talked about. No. So... Um, we'll be interested to see LeBron's going to have a, you know, if LeBron picks his cast like he picked the all-star team he had, we're going to be fine. Anthony Dave, who knows? We'll see. Anthony Dave, he might find his way into the movie if they give would a that monster be a unibrow. Would that be tampering? Probably. Boop tampering? Probably. Adam Probably. Silver will make a statement about it. Like, hey, Anthony, come, come to L.A. for the summer, you know. I'm going to shoot this movie. Have come to Moron Mountain or, yeah. you know, Looney Tuneville, whatever they call it. Yeah. What do they call that? Um, what do they call the place where the Looney Tunes live? The Looney Tunes? Yeah. Um, um, I'm I can't remember I can't what remember. it is. I can't remember either. Acme Acres, is that it? Yeah, maybe that's that it. Might that might it. be it. I that think that be. could be it. Yeah. Didn't David Stern make a cameo in the first one? Adam Silver could. I really want to know if Bill Murray's going to come back. I, I might be more upset if Bill Murray isn't in number two than I would the monsters. Right. How old is Bill how old is Bill He's Murray? Getting up there. He's getting up there. Sixty something maybe. See, I feel like you have to really walk the line of like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe bring in a couple guys that were from the old one. Just yeah. you know, short cameos even. You gotta walk that fine line. It can't be completely, you know, disconnected from the first right. one. It kinda has to flow with what the first one or somehow connect with the crowd. Like, oh yeah, that's funny. They kinda played off what happened in the first one. I think that'd be cool to see. Stan Podolak? He's yeah. got to be back in it, gotta doesn't have, he? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he has to returns. What's, what's he up to these days? I have no he's idea. He's probably free to shoot the movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's probably doing some sitcoms or something nowadays. Right. This was probably his most well-known uh, acting bit, wasn't it? Right, I mean, yeah. he's not tall, but he's slow. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to have... Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to follow like a similar story to the mm-hmm. first one. Or is it going to be a completely different story? I'm not sure yet. I guess I would have to look into it. The biggest question will be if Michael Jordan makes any kind of a cameo in it. I don't. I don't. I don't know if Jordan. I'd be okay if he doesn't because I, honestly, this is LeBron's movie to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if LeBron 
would want him in it. Yeah. No, no offense to Michael Jordan. I don't even know if Michael Jordan would want to be in it. Right. I think Michael Jordan kind of has that in his. Re- why would Why would he go and try to do that? Mm. He's already set. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he could just, own the Toon Squad. He could. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he could. You know, maybe he might want to contribute. You know, money wise, but I don't see him making a cameo. I just don't don't see him reopening that that chapter. Jake Durant's in the studio with us. We are out of time on this Thursday afternoon. Appreciate you as always, my man. It was fun, and uh, hope you can get a new partner here soon. My best wishes to Calvin heading off to Green Bay. Yeah, big shout-out to Calvin Lewis. Um, This is his last week. He's heading to Green Bay. We just finished up our last episode of Sports Zone last night together. Um, It's very sad to see him go, kind of an end of an era, but he's going to go do big things. Um, I'm going to finish it up single-handedly by myself this year, and then we might bring on someone new in the fall. We're going to see what happens. Jake Durant, once again, my name's Tanner Hoops. Back on tomorrow, same time and place. But join us for Westwood Patriot Basketball this evening. 7 o'clock pregame, 7.15 tip on ESPN-UP-WZAM-Ishpeming Marquette.